1: Hey, welcome to the show. So happy you're tuning in to another episode of Dose of Leadership and what a great one it is today. I'm so excited to finally bring to you my conversation with my good friend Jeff Brown from the Read to Lead podcast. Uh, Jeff uh, and I started our podcast around the same time. We've been connected since then, since the very beginning. We've uh, been connected on social media for that seven and a half years. And he's been a private mentor to me behind the scenes. You know, he's a, been a professional broadcaster. He's passionate about leadership. Um, we have a lot of the same guests. We've talked to a lot of the same people. We have a lot of the same beliefs. And it was just a true thrill and honor and joy to have him on the show to kind of hear about his story, how he started out in broadcasting for years. You can tell by his voice. He's got a beautiful voice. He's a great interviewer. I've learned a lot on his style and how to interview correctly or more effectively. And I love his journey because he started the entrepreneurial journey later in life. And his hand was kind of forced. And I love his kind of story where he was like Cortez and burned the boats and went all in on the read to lead brand. And that's a very uh, interesting aspect, I think, of this conversation. I love of course, his mantra or his passion about leadership and how his mantra on that leaders read and readers lead. And so he's always, he's a voracious reader like myself. And he reads these books and then he brings the guests on and they dissect those books. And that's why I love his show. Because even though he and I interviewed a lot of the same guests, I listen to his interviews. And even though I've interviewed the same person, I always get something new out of it. It's just, he's just a great his show is a great thing to add to your leadership quiver. It's one of those powerful arrows to have in there. And if you haven't subscribed to it, uh, please do. Uh, it's just going to help you become that much better of a leader. I love his, too, the part in the show, probably three-fourths of the way through, where he talks about his – he has an acronym. When I asked him, you know, what do he, what does he do to stay sharp? What are some of his personal habits? And he goes into this explanation of, of – kind of lessons learned after interviewing hundreds of people on his show and what are kind of the rules of success and he came up with five things and they're all around you know fear getting comfortable with fear reading um, making sure your energy is right i.e you're working on the right things accountability holding yourself accountable having others hold yourself accountable and then and then personal habits uh, developing consistent personal habits and he came up with an acronym called DREAM and I'll let you listen to that; it, too. it's really great and it hits all those aspects that we talk about on this show all the time and to me that was my favorite part of, of, of this conversation so I'm curious to what see what you think let me know what you think about this episode with the one and only Jeff Brown you can find out more about him at readtoleadpodcast.com and of course you can subscribe to it with all your favorite podcast applications So let me know what you think about the show. Go to doseofleadership.com. You can learn more about my services, my speaking coaching services, and maybe even become part of my membership community called Dose of Leadership University, which is basically a mastermind community. You can always reach out to me on the contact form page at my website, or you can email me directly at com to learn more. But let's get into it. Let's uh, join this conversation with the one and only Jeff Brown. You're really going to enjoy this one. This is one of my favorites here on Dose of Leadership. Jeff, man, I'm so excited that you're here. Welcome to Dose of Leadership.
0: Well, I'm excited to to be here. Uh, When I look at the lineup uh, of who you've had on your show, uh, to be included in that lineup is a a real privilege, so so thank you.
1: Well, let me start off by personally thanking you. I was talking with Chris Brogan um, a couple weeks ago, he had me on his live stream on his show. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about it. and And you and I have been connected since we both started our podcast, pretty much. So I think I started mine in uh, January of 2013. And I think you were spring or summer of 2013. I can't remember yeah. the exact yeah, date. Yeah, July. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we connected even way back then. I think someone, I think John Lee Dumas connected us somehow, somewhere. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, I wanted to thank you personally because um you've been kind of a private mentor to me from an interview style and um i get complimented on my interview style and i attribute a lot of to listening to you and learning from you uh, privately so i wanted to thank you you know your your style and the way that you do it is something that i try to emulate and look up to so i just wanted to personally thank you before i went further on that
0: well, thank you for buttering me up. I'll say lots of nice <laughs> things about you now. <laughs> no. But
1: I think it's it's I can't believe that we haven't done this sooner because mm-hmm. we've been connected for so long. Uh, I love too that we, you know, I was looking at your um Facebook feed the other day and you always post your pictures of your dachshunds and I got two dachshunds and you got three. Ah. But you got one about the same time that I did 11 years ago, about the same month, a like June or July, I think of 11 years ago, you got uh, that Uh, dapple uh, one that you have. I forget his name. What's Mm -hmm. what's his name? Frank. Frank. (laughs) And uh, anyway, I've got an 11 year old, a long haired, red haired dachshund. And uh, I just love dachshunds. In fact, the kids are, and the wife's pressuring me to get another one, a new puppy. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, you know, no. And and then I'm secretly (laughs) looking behind the scenes (laughs) online. (laughs) I just love those dogs, man. Uh, they're just, cra- they're me just too. crazy. Anyway, love it. Well, well, this isn't the and Breeders Podcast, but we could probably <laughs> turn it into that. But uh, anyway, I, I, I just, I, I've watched your journey. It's been parallel to mine. We've talked to a lot of the same folks. Mm. The podcast journey has been amazing for me, as I know it has been for you. Um, uh, you know, looking back at this, I mean, and I've I've had my ups and downs, and in fact, I was telling you in the pre-recording here that sometimes. Uh, I was kind of in a low funk here at the beginning of the summer and I took a sabbatical for about four weeks and I just started getting back into it. And, uh, Mm. what about you? Has that happened to you along in these, these last seven and a half years, seven years for you?
0: You know, thankfully, uh, no, I mean, uh, there have been, uh, moments where, you know, I've taken a month off and, you know, done, um, re-releases of, of older episodes, uh, I I do have a streak I'm quite proud of at the moment (laughs) just because it's a big deal for me, but about two and a half, one more than two and a half years without missing a a Tuesday, um, which I could not say about the first, you know, several years, I I missed one here or there, but uh, got a, got a streak, a pretty long streak going at the moment. Um, You know, I, I, and I know you, I know you would agree with this. Um, the, the important thing about podcasting uh, and, and centering it around a particular topic, um, as a lot of people do can, can sometimes be limiting, but it's possible to choose, uh, and, and be really specific in your choice of, um, uh, ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but at the, but at the same time, um, have different things that fit within that. For example, I think of intentional and consistent reading. That's a very specific thing. And, and uh, that's sort of the mantra that my podcast is built around yeah. the value of intentional, consistent reading. But that umbrella uh, serves many topics very, very well uh, leadership, personal growth, mindset, entrepreneurship. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, and so I never run out of topics to talk about that fit within that sort of. Overarching umbrella, and um, I, I never run out of books uh, being released. Right, uh, and so uh, there's always something new and, and interesting, and uh, another shiny thing around the corner that I can I can latch onto and dive into and read. So um, I haven't had that issue. I have been, um, you know, more recently, as I as I'm sure you have, uh, tailored some of my questions to what's happening in the world. Sure. Okay. Uh, you know, many of the people I talk to uh, make uh, their living or at least partially through public speaking or, you know, in-person workshops and things of that nature. And so I'm often asking, well, what are you doing uh, in light of uh, you know COVID and, and everything else? Uh, and, and because virtually everyone I talk to, everyone I interview has been impacted in some way, myself included. And so uh, those kinds of of changes or or sort of metamorphosis to the process has kind of happened naturally as as I've gone along.
1: Yeah, it's been interesting to to see that you're right. To the impact that that a lot of our guests have had in ourselves, um, and you know, literally a, a year's worth of bookings for some of these guys have just been completely wiped out. You know, right, and that right. was a major source of income for some of these. So it is interesting to hear how people pivot and uh, and you're right. I I love doing this podcast because I feel like I probably get more out of it than my guests sometimes. If I look at the over the last seven <laughs> years, I think I've I feel like I personally, mentally, uh my mindset has changed dramatically just from doing the podcast. And and mm-hmm. and in a lot of the reading that I do along with it, right? When I'm studying on a guest, I'm always reading their books or trying to read as much as I can about that. I just feel like it's benefited me in tremendous ways, selfishly, I, I, hopefully my guests are, I, and I know some guests reach out to me and say the value that it brings, but what about you? Do you feel like you've, you've kind of grown from, from doing this, from asking these questions? Oh, yeah.
0: Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Um, you know, part of the motivation for me starting my podcast in the back of my mind was, hey, maybe I'll get some free books out of this. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and selfishly, that was, I mean, that was, you know, actually on my mind and I, I bought so many books anyway. I thought maybe I can save some money by doing this podcast. Most <laughs> yeah. people don't think of starting a podcast and yeah. allowing them to save money. But for yeah. me, that was the case. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel every week virtually that, that, you know, I'm blessed more so than they are, yeah. uh, you know, time and time again. And, and my mindset has been, uh, you mentioned mindset, my mindset has been uh, dramatically impacted through the guests that I've had on, the the books that they've written, and that I've read. Um, you know, aspects of my leadership um, uh, style, um, and just virtually all parts of and pieces of life have been yeah. in, impacted positively in one way or another.
1: I agree. The perspectives have just, I you know, and, I, and my wife brought that up a couple weeks ago, and we're just looking at how different I look at at life and perspectives and everything, you know, and and it's been but it speaks to the 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 power of what we're talking about from a leadership perspective of constantly being intentional about sitting down instead of mm-hmm. you know watching i mean i love watching movies and netflix and series and everything else but man taking that time like okay i'm not i'm going to cut this in half and i'm going to spend you know the next hour and a half reading or or writing or or just meditating and personally and it, and it makes a huge impact right and it talks it speaks mm-hmm. volumes to the kind of the incremental or the kind of um What's the the investment phase I'm looking for? Like you know, it compounds over time, mm-hmm. right? And when you can look back Absolutely. on it, yeah. So what do you, where do you as as COVID is kind of we talked a little about what's happened to some of our guests, and for you, um, you made the leap. So was seven years ago? Were you working part time, or were you, or did you just did you burn the boat seven years ago when you started the podcast, or were you doing half and half?
0: <laughs> the the boats were kind of burned and set on fire. On my behalf, um, <laughs>
1: yeah. you might say, What were you I doing didn't have a
0: lot of say in that. Yeah. I, I was in broadcasting for about 26 years and you know, I had already begun planning the podcast about, uh, beginning about the spring of 2013. I had this idea for a podcast and began sort of mapping it out and I was going to launch in July, which I ultimately, ultimately did. But a month before I launched almost to the day I got let go from my then full-time radio job. Um, with the podcast, my plan was to do it around my job and just to see where it went. Right. Uh, but then a month before I lost the job. And, and so I began at that point right away working on uh, a side hustle that I already had going and, and, and doing that full-time to earn an income. I did have severance and so that helped. Um, and then that, that uh, sort of side hustle that became a full-time job uh, overnight I uh, brought home in my first month of doing that uh, nearly twice what my take-home pay was in a month at the radio job in the first 30 days. And so when that happened, I was like, okay, I'm going to figure this out one way or another. Things are going to be okay. I knew I didn't want to take another radio jobs uh, because that would inevitably mean moving somewhere else. And my wife and I like uh, the Nashville, Middle Tennessee Area. We had no intention of leaving this area, so to take another job would almost invariably mean moving. So that was off the table, and I just decided in there I was going to figure out the self-employment thing one way or the other. And you know, for the next uh, what five or so years, had a series of firsts. I'll try this and and see what that generates, and try this to the point that you know, ten or twelve different streams of income. uh, Some come and go. Some are steady and consistent you know, summer seasonal, that sort of thing. But I found uh, ways to sort of diversify that income, which I think is really important today. And I think a lot of people uh, through COVID are losing their jobs and, um, or maybe f- fear of losing their jobs. And that's the only income source they have or the main one they have, the, the big one they have. And uh, even though I've been impacted uh, adversely through uh, COVID, thankfully, you know, uh, uh the other streams of income are still there. The the two that have been impacted the most uh, are public speaking and in-person workshops. And and funny for me, uh, we can all have a good laugh about this now, but when 2020 began, I decided that 2020 was going to be the year for me of public speaking and in-person <laughs> workshops. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I even uh, got rid of and, and closed a membership site that I had that generated monthly recurring revenue that I didn't want to Worry about being saddled with while doing these other things. I would rather be doing, even though that did that did generate some some steady income. Uh, these other things were more important to me, and so I, I closed that and 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 approached these other things. And before I knew it, those things didn't go anywhere because by March things were starting to, to really? change dramatically. So. But then there's the other, there's four or five or six other streams of income that have all one way or another come out of, uh, by and large, the podcast. And so uh, those for now, you know, keep me going. And thankfully, I'm I'm not at a place where, you know, I have to go find a job or look for a job or worry about a job. Uh, I've managed to diversify uh, to the point that more often than not, these kinds of things, these unforeseen challenges that come our way, we had no idea what's going to happen. We can weather those um, in this kind of scenario versus, you know, if I'm working for somebody else, I'm really uh, at their whim.
1: basically. I love that. I love the story and it, it validates things I've talked about, or even, even believes the power of podcasting and not just podcasting, but I think this is probably one of the, as crazy as the world seems right now. I do think it is the probably most opportune time to be alive in the history of the planet in terms mm. of, Creating and charting your destiny, I think, you know, I think yeah, you know, yeah. it, it, the the culmination of or the, the meeting or the intersection of all the technology and everything is just coming at the right speed and the right cost. And anybody can literally, you know, if they want to change their world, they can do it from their basement. You know, I think <laughs> you've proved it. Now, you know, I I've, I've haven't fully burned the boats and that was a conscious choice because... Now with airlines maybe being decimated, maybe maybe I'll be forced mm. to it. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, not decimated, but I mean they're they're in a questionable state. You know, right, right. But I feel you were talking before we started recording about you know the kind of the anxiety level. Certainly for me, from an income source, has been I've been blessed because I've had this and and the airline job, which is still paying me but I'm not as stressed as I see some of the folks at the airline job that's all they have right and right, right. and I have the fortune of being furloughed from it once before and and kind of forced like you said in 2001 it's kind of led me to this journey I feel like I can you know no matter what happens you can assert me anywhere I feel like I can I'll make <laughs> something happen it may not be what I want to do exactly but I'll make it happen right and
0: I've had this happen more than once. And the most recent time this happened was last week where a a, a, a friend from radio, a radio colleague calls me and says, uh, so Jeff, I lost my job. Um, How did you do what you've done? (laughs) Show me the way. (laughs) Oh, wise one. How did you do what you've done? Uh, and, And, you know, it's, it's, Airline industry, broadcasting. You know, there's so many different industries being disrupted for one reason or another. Uh, you know, COVID, the latest reason for some. Um, I think you're right when you talk about, you know, the need to take control of our own mm-hmm. uh, destinies. Not everybody is destined or designed to work for themselves or to start their own business. I certainly uh, don't want to suggest that that's not the path for everybody. Any more yeah. than college is the path right uh, for everybody. Um, but there are so many, I think that are thinking about it more than they ever have, um, because of what COVID is doing to their workplace or, or their industry or what have you. You know, as I said earlier, you know, I was sort of forced to burn the boats and, and, and do something about it. And I think COVID is at least causing or prompting a lot of, a lot of people who have been sitting on the fence to actually think about, well, what would it look like if I did my own thing and how would I make that work? And, how would I survive, and how can I diversify that that income?
1: And, and I, I'm curious too, because um, and I think it's important for people to hear that because I think you're probably similar to me. Is like I always I, I was fascinated by entrepreneurship and entrepreneurs. I never saw myself as one. Um, and the fact that I started this, you know, it was it was kind of uncharacteristic for me when I started the podcast. Like I literally. Had got up and I was trying to get more speaking gigs. It was no deeper than that. I was Mm -hmm. like, "How can I get more speaking gigs?" And it was December of twenty twelve, and I got up and you know I'm a reader like you, and I was looking at my bookshelf and said, "Well, what if I started started having conversations with all these people that I'm reading about?" That was literally, and it was, and the idea was have the conversations, get more speaking gigs. It didn't get much more deeper than that, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I did a Google search on how many leadership books were coming out in 2013 and there's a gazillion. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm like, well, this would be great. This would be easy to get guests. And I emailed a bunch of people that day and then three people on that list said yes. And in the email I had said I was launching it, I picked a date. I just looked at the calendar four weeks from the following Monday. So it gave me four weeks plus three days or whatever. (laughs) <laughs> and the fact that I put that in the email and these three people had said, yes, I was like, oh my God, I can't let them down. Absolutely. And through the blessing of connecting with Andrew Warner and John Lee Dumas, who I'd reached out and who they, and they, they spent an hour and a half with me on the phone saying, mm. have you done this? Have you done that? And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but my point is I launched it four weeks later and I didn't put a lot of thought into it. And I, and I'm hearing kind of the same thing from you is like, you know, you said you had an idea in the spring of 2013 and then you launched it in July. Right. So it wasn't like Mm -hmm, you, mm -hmm. you know, went down and wrote a detailed business plan and went to the bank for funding like the traditional, you know, people are kind of stuck (laughs) in that mindset, right. Of like how to create something. And I, what I see from you is someone that just says, you know, I'm just going to try it and see where it goes. I mean, not that you're throwing spaghetti against the wall. I mean, there's some Mm logic there's, there's, Am I making sense, what I'm saying? I think I wish more people yeah. would just try it, you know what I mean, or try something, I guess is my point. Exactly,
0: exactly. There, there, there's a fine line between let's see if this works and, you know, being intentional. Um, right. You know, Then there was a little, little bit of both in my journey uh, for sure. some things I tried. I didn't know whether or not they would work, podcasts being one of them or various – you know, attempts at streams of income being others like my my uh, membership site, uh, mm-hmm. paid mastermind groups, some other things. Um, but I knew myself well enough to know that I'd I'd be kicking myself years down the road if I didn't at least try. Yeah. Right? I'd rather try and if I fail, that's a learning experience to try it a different way. You know, the next time.
1: I like what you said there, and that's I think that's what I was trying to articulate there that you you're the fear of regret was such an overwhelming motivator as it was for mm-hmm. me, right? Like I've gotten mm-hmm. like for whatever reason I've and I look back at my journey and I think back at like what there were steps and things along the way that made me stop getting past the fear piece. Cuz there's a lot of people who are like afraid to take the first leap because they don't want to be embarrassed or ashamed or who am I, you know, all those limiting beliefs that we all have. I got past the fear piece a long time ago. <laughs> and then the regret thing started really driving me. I don't want to mm. I don't want to get to the finish line with a bunch of regret dreams walking around the bed looking at me shaking its head going <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it was only you that could unleash it. I uh, mm. and so now I feel like I'm running out of time. I don't know if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, there's a, a Dwight D Eisenhower quote I love that says there are no victories at bargain prices.
1: <laughs> and, I like and, that. and and
0: John Maxwell expands on that in his uh, Leadership Promises for Every Day, a daily devotional that I read. Every, well, I've read it every morning this year. I can't say that I've read it every morning any other year, but uh, um, he expands on that by saying that um, uh, there, there's two kinds of, of pain. We can have the pain that comes with, with sacrifice and self-discipline now, or we can have and experience the pain that comes with regret later. And it's like, pick your pain. Do you want pain now knowing later that you'll, you'll be glad you did what you did, but it was just a little, little bit of pain in the early going, a little sacrifice, a little self-discipline, or do you want the kind of pain that comes later with regret? And I'd rather have that other pain, not the regret kind, but the, but the self-discipline and sacrifice kind.
1: Well, and I think that's part of, particularly as I dove more into the leadership journey that, I mean, that is part of the price of admission of, Mm-hmm. bearing that, and I don't know if that's kind of a stoic mindset. I think it probably is. I'm mm-hmm. not an expert in stoicism, but I mean the things that I've kind of read. But it's like at some point, I mean life is a struggle and life is full. You have a cross to bear, right? And that's mm-hmm. part of the journey is like so, so get on with it. There's a lot of times a couple of my lessons, keynotes, I talked about, about slaying the dragons, kind of from Stephen Pressfield's, you know, The War of Art, right? Where Mm -hmm. it's like that resistance or that whatever's placed on your heart, whatever it is that you're passionate about or you seem, and that chasm of like, you want to go here and you're way down here, Mm -hmm. and the gap seems so far. That resistance is real. It's going to prevent you from trying to do it. As Pressfield says, it's literally going to, and figuratively, going to try to kill you from <laughs> prevent you from doing it right mm, mm, mm. but if you do it if you go ahead and do it anyway you make the step and realize that that fear and uncertainty never going to go away the universe has to move right and i love that yeah. kind of analogy or that's the kind of visualizations of the dragon you're always slaying a dragon and i think too often <laughs> which i know i'm guilty of this i mean years ago it's like i thought a lot i thought life was about not having any dragons <laughs> but, right. But the character growth and everything that we're talking about in the, in the leadership game, it's like, no, it's about being a dragon slayer. There's always going to be dragons. And sometimes it's going to be the same one for, you mm. know, we'll crop its ugly head many times. And at the end of the day, you and I can celebrate, but we know as leaders that dragons going to come back tomorrow. And we're okay with that, I guess. Or we're prepared for it. Maybe not okay with it is okay, but we're, we're prepared and, and we're willing to accept that kind of burden right and i don't know
0: yeah i th- i think it's uh, it's about uh you know, the discomfort doesn't disappear we got to learn how to ride the wave right. of discomfort is is what it comes down to it's not going to it's not going
1: anywhere did you see yourself as a lead like you need to look back at your radio career and everything else i mean what was the you know, obviously getting into broadcasting, which hmm. that was my major when I first started out. I changed it. I wish I hadn't. I've always wanted to go into broadcasting hmm. like you. But what was the dream when you were going through and getting your degree and everything else, or get into radio? What, what were you What were you hoping to happen?
0: Actually, my degree, and when I started, was a music education oh, degree. Cool. So it wasn't radio at all. I had a guidance counselor actually talk me out of pursuing radio. Unbelievable. Um, My my high school had a radio station, and I took the first of several radio courses at my high school, and I had signed up for the next one. And he said, "Were you going to do radio as a career?" And I said, "I don't think so. I'm probably going to do the music thing." He said, "Well, you don't need to take this." So I didn't take any more radio classes, and and therefore didn't you know further pursue or examine that as an option. Um, But I did about you know two two and a half years uh, as a music education major, and uh, after a semester. Sure, of student teaching at the junior high level, you know, practice teaching, um, I realized I don't want to do that the rest of my life. Uh, and so <laughs> I just dropped out. I dropped out of college and wow. I was out for three years before I ultimately went back and got a degree in business, business management. Uh, but in in the interim, in that sort of three year period, I thought, well, let me go back and, and look at this radio thing that I sort of left, you know, on the back burner um, and <laughs> literally s- signed up for a, this local um uh, professional broadcasters institute or something like that. It was called. And uh, six months later, I was the first student to graduate from this you know, radio school and got placed at my first radio job. What city is this? Um, this is in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and John Randall is the name of the guy who started the school. I think that was his radio name, not his actual name. I don't, I'm not sure, but uh um, back then, you know, we, we all had different names on the air that aren't, yeah. our real names. Was it, was different. this the
1: eighties or what, what are we talking? What year are we talking uh, yeah, about? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's like 87, <laughs> uh, 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 right around there. First part of 87. So, yeah. so by mid 87, I was working at my, <clears throat> excuse me, my first radio job, uh, and part time, you know, weekends and, and overnights and that sort of thing. And just kept at it, and eventually was able to work my way up, just on the job training, et cetera, to a full time position somewhere. And you know this job and that job, this city and that city, and um, like I said, did it for for twenty six years. But it wasn't because I went to, to school for it. But um, early on, you know, I had some. Um, I was talking with um, um, Alaa Hunkins, who I know you had on your show, yeah,
1: great guest, uh, not
0: too long ago uh, the other day, and talking about you know sort of the leadership. Um, mindset uh generation generationally that's passed down to many of us without our having realized it and that was certainly the case for me i had definitely some negative leadership traits and habits and my early leadership style was i hired you to do what i tell you to do and that's really all i need you to do right and as long as you do that everything'll be fine i'm the leader i'm the i'm the guy in charge i'm the one who knows everything i just need you to do the things that i need you to do um, and, and that was, I, I didn't realize at the time, but, but that was handed down to me. I thought that's the way everybody, well, I, I didn't yeah. know any better. Sure. So it wasn't until later that, when I had a chance to experience some different styles and also, uh, ruin some relationships along the way. Yeah, yeah, Um, that I sort of had my, my eyes open to wait a minute. Um, there are better ways to do this <laughs> than the way I'm doing. There have to be than the way I'm doing it. So I, it took a while. I was a slow learner, but I would say the first ten-ish years of my career, that was my leadership style.
1: Well, that's not uncommon, right? And particularly in, yeah, particularly in radio. I mean, that's radio's notorious for kind of the hierarchical yeah. kind of structure that way. And, and I think most Very people, much. and I think that's, I think when you talk about leadership and you ask me what is leadership i mean even now and you ask uh, if i ask a general you know room of 100 people i'm going to get a lot of stuff like that where it's about position title being the boss the one with all the answers and all that stuff and you're right i mean it's just been so ingrained in business culture you know I, i i but like you said at some point something happens like a splat moment or, and that's kind of what I'm asking you is like, was there a splat moment or was it kind of a slow fade into like, okay, this isn't working. I got to adjust my styles. And it typically happens to people when they're in their second career or second or in Mm -hmm. the second quarter of their career, it seems to happen to everyone. Right.
0: Yeah. I was in my early thirties. Um, and I had hired a friend, uh, about eight months prior to this, uh, to work for me. And eight months in, she quit. And when quizzing her about the reasons that she's quitting, I hear some of these things I was just sharing with you about my leadership style that she found very confining and felt like she was always under my thumb and that there was no opportunity for her to bring her own stamp to what she was doing. I was more concerned about the process than I was the outcome, <laughs> uh, as if the process you know, meant everything regardless of the outcome. You just do it this way. Um, and, and that friendship for about four years was strained at best. Uh, one lesson there is don't hire your friends, I think, but seriously, <laughs> yeah. um, that, that almost that, that, relationship was almost beyond repair until I came to the table a few years later, having sort of seen the light and apologized. And, and that, that friendship now is a solid friendship, but, but, uh, certainly not because of me, <laughs> <laughs> Um, I I, I damaged it tremendously, but um, that particular incident uh, among all the others was, was a real eye opener uh, to me of this person who was a really good, trusted, close friend, just couldn't take me anymore in that work environment. Had we never been exposed or, or connected in that way, probably never would have experienced, uh, she wouldn't have experienced that kind of, um, uh, mindset from me where there wouldn't have been opportunities for it necessarily by and large, but because she was in that environment where I was the leader, I had the title and my job was to, you know, uh, uh, steer the ship. Uh, she experienced that on a daily basis and just, and just couldn't put up with it.
1: Yeah. And so what a blessing to kind of have someone that was a friend mm-hmm. speak authentically to you and say, Hey, you're right. being kind of a jerk here. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> Basically that's what it was. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, you have to do that Oh, man, that self-reflection is so painful. <laughs> but it sounds like you did. You looked at yourself and said, man, I don't like necessarily who I'm seeing here. I don't know if you explicitly said that, but I mean at some point oh, you, yeah. had, you had to start doing <laughs> some work at that point, right? And do you remember what you – can you think what you – looking back, did you intentionally start doing something? What What was it? Yeah, well,
0: part of it, and I would I would read about this later. Liz Weisman was great about putting labels years later on what I was doing at the time. Uh, she, uh, I'm sure you know Liz's work and mm-hmm. multipliers, how to how the best leaders make everyone smarter. Well, a part of what I realized, Richard, was that I was intimidated um, by people who were better at what I hired them to do than I was. Yeah, and. I began to understand the value of sort of leveraging the collective brain power in the room and the humility to say, hey, I don't have all the answers. I've hired you to help uh, help us get to the answers. And together we're going to do that and um, you know, share credit uh, when appropriate uh, shoulder blame Uh And then those sorts of ways of thinking that Liz talks about, you know, in multipliers, I I began doing those things before I knew what to call them. But it came out of out of that that experience
1: uh, with with a friend. You know, it is such a powerful moment when you finally do grasp onto that concept that you don't have to be the one with all the answers and that (laughs) you need to hire people smarter than you and be that kind of it, it's it's an understanding of the difference of the role right and you're right it's it's the maturation of thing and okay my role is i'm this i'm the i, I have all these deliverables i need to be of the answers i hired you to do this job don't question it and then when you when you accept that role like you said and, and being that kind of um champion of those people smarter than you Boy, it breeds loyal. It's hard to describe. It breeds loyalty. It breeds, you know, people just, they just blossom. When I've seen it, it's, it's happened. Um, the same thing's kind of happened to me. It's, uh, it's happened to a lot of leaders. And even growing up in the Marine Corps, getting my leadership baptizing by fire. Even <laughs> then, when you're kind of even told in the beginning that that's how you do it, you still make the mistake of like, well, hey, I'm the lieutenant. And boy, you learn in fast order that it, that's it. Does that rank and that position doesn't mean jack, you know it it's mm-hmm. it's doing like you said it's like surrounding yourself by people who are better that you know and it's just the collective it just i don't know it just it's 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 very empowering yeah mm-hmm. i like how you said that so <laughs> so has it been a constant journey then so we're talking 25 plus years ish where you've been kind of on this leadership journey would is that a fair assessment of your of your life or what do you think
0: yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, I've learned so much uh, from some amazing leaders, uh, b- both side by side and virtually. Um, and I think I'm a lot better at it than I was yeah. <laughs> 25 years ago. Always room for improvement. But uh, yeah, part of the, the purpose behind the podcast for me was uh, to help other people Uh, avoid having to go through some Mm -hmm. of the things that I went through on my journey. Maybe I can save others that pain of learning things the hard way uh, just by putting their noses in a few key books
1: along the way. I like that. And I would agree. If I kind of would say the same thing about doing this, it's to avoid kind of the painful splat moments that I had, you know, (laughs) of almost Mm. getting divorced and, and, Mm. and not fully, realizing how necessary, and it's almost even embarrassing to say it, that in my late 30s, early 40s, not fully appreciating that you have to be a leader in every aspect of your life. And that sounds so Mm. stupid to say that right now. (laughs) But back then, I just, I was more focused on it on the external, what you saw in the business setting, right? I was less concerned about the husband-father piece. Yeah, and the more that yeah, I, I get that, yeah, and the more that I did it internal. Like I used to think it was so external, and the more internal that I made it, eighty-five, ninety percent of trying to mm-hmm. get myself right, even to this day. I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I get humbled every day about how ineffective of a leader I can be. <laughs> but the more internal that it is, right? And I think, and, and that's been validated with all the guests that I've come on. Is like the more that you. Focus on yourself. You give kind of people the freedom around you to do the same, as opposed to me, like I'm the leader and beating them over the head with a wiffle ball bat, you know. And, and I don't know. I mean, what what are your personal habits? What do you what, what's your personal journey? What do you do to keep Jeff Brown's head in the game? What do you do in mm. your private moments?
0: Oh, good question. I have found, Richard, through uh, the hundreds of people that I've interviewed, both uh, on the podcast side and then on the radio side, too, that I've kind of identified uh, some things that many successful people have in common. Uh, five things that I have identified that, that uh, uh, most of them, not all of them, but most of them do. There are exceptions to this. Uh, but most of them do these five things. Uh, certainly, the mo- most successful ones. And uh, and I realized after analyzing this and 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 thinking over, it, I, I I I did what a lot of authors do. I turned it into an acronym. Right. I found it <laughs> an easy way to communicate it. Right. Uh, and the acronym is DREAM. So you might you might say it's it's um, uh, how to dream your way to success <laughs> in in one sense. But the D of of dream, it goes to, to what we were talking about earlier, and that is discovering discomfort design. And what I mean by that is leaning into the fear, designing discomfort into your life, stepping mm-hmm. outside your comfort zone, riding away with discomfort. Yeah, uh, you know, doing something that that scares you just a little bit every day, like mm-hmm. you were talking about with the podcast, and setting that date out in front of you, and holding yourself uh, uh, to the accountability of those other other folks. Yeah, the R and I'll be brief with these, is to rule a reading ritual. <laughs> uh. you know, your reading would be included in here somewhere, right? Yeah. I think it's the fastest, easiest, and cheapest way to learn and foster growth is Amen. reading consistently and intentionally um, and scheduling time to read. A lot of people say, I don't have time uh, to yeah, read. Put it on the I think if there's something. Yeah, if there's something you don't have time to do, it's because you haven't yet decided it's important enough to protect, yep. and so when you put it on the calendar, you protect it.
1: Uh,
0: the E, and I'm going from memory here, is is to execute an energy examination. Uh, so, so what gives you energy? What drains your energy? I learned this uh, much of this from an author named Molly Fletcher. She's a sports agent. She has the hmm. book called um, The Energy Clock. And so I've seen other people, you know, color code their calendars, and I've tried aspects of that in the past, and I never could quite come up with something that made sense to me, but Molly's method does. And she color codes things in her calendar one of three ways. It's by the level of energy she gets out of doing that thing. And I think it's important for us to perform an energy audit and decide what gives us energy, what zaps our energy, uh, and what maybe we're indifferent about. doesn't take away energy, doesn't give energy. And I found that when I did that with everything on my calendar, now I could easily identify, okay, that thing zaps my energy. Let me, let me make sure I follow that on my calendar with something that gives me energy and maximize that.
1: Mm.
0: So that would be, that would be the E. The, like the A is to authorize. I'm, I'm big about alliteration too, if you hadn't figured that out <laughs> yet. Authorize an accountability audit, authorize an accountability audit. In other words, give other people permission to, to hold you accountable to what you say you're going to do. And I think the best method for doing that is in the context of, of a master, uh, mastermind group. So you're, you're getting a consistent feedback. Um, You're, you're putting yourself out there. You're being transparent. You're being humble. You're saying, Mm -hmm. tell me what's wrong with this. How can I do this better? And then you're you're providing those same types of feedback uh, for the other people in the group. And I think it's important that if you're in a group like that, you're meeting on a regular consistent, basis. And the last thing, the M is to mold a morning mindset. So develop daily rituals to ensure that you start every day off strong. Now, there are any number of things I might do in a particular morning. And I used to think uh, as I laid these things out in my morning ritual that I had to do all of them. And I went so far as to time, how much uh, time each thing should take and if they each take this amount of time, then I can do them all in three hours or whatever that thing is. And I finally decided that the key isn't to do all of them every day. It's to identify the things I would like to have as a part of my morning, and then treat it like a buffet and decide, okay, what what does today need? What you know, four things out of those twelve uh, do I need to do this morning? What what do I want to make time for? uh, today or five things or six things or whatever the morning allows. Now, depending on your season of life, that may look very different. I'm uh, a married man with no children, have never had kids. And so, you know, my morning rituals, three to three and a half hours long, because it can be, yours may not be that long. Yours might be an hour long. Yours might be 30 minutes. Uh, but make sure that you're making time for you just like they tell you on the airplane, (laughs) put on your own mask first. Yeah. Then help the person next to you. That's if you don't take care of yourself at the beginning of your day, you're not going to be any good to anybody else. So, uh, dream again. It's discover discomfort, design, rule a reading ritual, execute an energy examination, authorize an accountability audit, and mold a morning mindset.
1: I love it. I mean, it's you're absolutely right. You're hitting all those points about fear. You know, the fear and uncertainty never going to go away. So let's just dive into it. You know, something, and if you work through that, something significant is going to happen on the other side. I love the reading piece. You're right. And I love how you said that. It's um, It really is one of the most economical ways to start beginning transforming your life. I, 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 I've been a voracious reader for years. <laughs> I couldn't sleep. I, I couldn't shut my mind off this morning at 2.30 in the morning. So what I do, I read, right? And I read from 2.30 yeah. to 4.30 in the morning, and it just helped me get me back in a good space. I love the mm. energy audit thing. That's cool. Molly Fletcher. I haven't I haven't heard of her, so I'm gonna check her out.
0: Yeah, the energy clock. It's a book that will only take you about an hour to read. It's almost within arm's reach. I would grab it uh, if I could if I could reach it. But it takes about an hour to read. It's a relatively short book, but um, it uh, turned upside down the way I look at my calendar. And it it basically I felt like was the missing one missing piece of the puzzle for me between. Uh, the analog planner that I use and the yeah. digital calendar that I that I combine, and this piece was kind of like the icing on the cake.
1: Yeah, my the hairs on my neck stood up when you were talking about that because I feel the same <laughs> way. Because those other things I've tried to incorporate pretty regularly, but that was the one that was always bugging me, right? That in, mm. that energy out and looking at it that way. So I, that resonated with me as you were explaining it because you're right. Mm. If you can become intentional about like everything. Is this, is this adding value or is it subtracting? Is this empowering? Is it limiting? Is this sucking energy or is it giving me energy? Those That's how kind of I looked at that. You know what was cool good. for me in regard to that, Richard, if I can add this one thing. When I did the audit,
0: I found that most weeks and, – and I'm doing the audit. Um, I did it once uh, for the foreseeable future, but then I'll probably do it again in a month or maybe every quarter, that sort of thing. But as I did it uh, with what was already on my calendar, I found that I had already designed my days to be predominantly void of things that zapped my energy. So everything that gives me energy on my calendar is green. Uh, Anything that I just, you know, that needs to be done that I sort of feel indifferent about, it just is. It doesn't zap energy or give me energy. It's orange. And anything that zaps my energy is red, right? Yeah. As I looked at my calendar, there was almost no
1: red. I did my taxes a couple of weeks ago; that was all red. Yeah, right? that's what I was gonna say. I was, <laughs> I was just I was mentally going <laughs> th- as you are saying. I was like, okay, my calendar paying taxes red for sure. You know? <laughs> but that was about it. And and I, yeah. had, I I had actually
0: designed my calendar to eliminate all but the uh, but the red. Now he, he, here's something. Here's something I realized too in that whole process. Um, there was a time when I had a daily commute, and for me, that commute was nice. definitely Something that zapped my energy. Yeah. So when when you when you have something like that on your calendar, Molly says, you want to look for ways you can eliminate it. But you're not always going to be able to do that. If you can't eliminate it, how can you bring some orange or some green to it? And so for me, when it when when it came with to the um, uh, commute, it was listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. It was listening to audiobooks, and that made it less red, right? <laughs> right. And I thought at that time, oddly enough, that, well, this will all, you know, I can't get rid of this. This will always be a part of my day. It's not anymore. Right. Right. And I realized how limited that thinking was. Mm -hmm. Everybody else has a commute. That means I'll have a commute, too. I'll always have this red thing. So I encourage you to really think outside the box in regard to the things that are red and whether or not you really can eliminate them. Because sometimes we can eliminate them. We just haven't figured out how. Yeah,
1: that's a great point. You're absolutely right. I mean, and that and that's the kind of the power behind doing the audit because it forces you. I mean, the good news is it validated that you were trying to. You, you know, most of your calendar's green. That means you're at least being intentional about, you know, mm. doing things that benefit or push you towards where you want to go, right? So that's right. good. But yeah, I I can think of things if you haven't done this or you you're kind of stuck in a different mindset that there's a lot of red and you feel like you're stuck. But it could force you to like you said be creative I'm like why am i even doing this do i have to do this or at least is there a different way to do it you know yeah that's a great stuff and, and i can love it be delegated to somebody else exactly yeah. i love the accountability piece the The mastermind huge fan of that <laughs> i mean i've seen the powers of that i've run into multiple masterminds over the last seven and a half years and i, I can't agree with you more on that one that's huge right it's huge <laughs> to watch it's, it's amazing to watch the growth when it's firing in all cylinders and you get a great group of people, it's an amazing thing to watch. It really is. And it and for yourself, right? To hold yourself accountable to that. And then yeah. I love the habits thing. And and I like what you said there because that was always my big problem with habits is that okay, yeah, I'm gonna be the guy that gets up at five AM. I'm gonna eat my sugar free protein breakfast. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go walk with God and talk and then I'm going to journal about it and then I'm going (laughs) to write my thousand words from my book and then and then you know you get and then the clock goes off and then to your point is like just look at it as a buffet I love how you said that because that's I never looked at it in that kind of that analogy but when I kind of started piecemealing it and saying you know what today I'm just going to say a gratitude Mm. prayer when my feet hit the ground And that was enough for that day. Right. And then I built upon that. Right. You
0: know, the reality was, too, and I looked at that particular aspect of my life, Richard, is I realized I already consistently wasn't doing all the things. Yeah. But I I was I was not doing all the things and feeling bad about it. Right. Now I can not do all the things and not Not do all the things intentionally and feel
1: good about it. (laughs) That's right. That's the key point. Right. You don't have to flog yourself because you didn't hit also, you know, it's and that's it's right. the same mistake when people do diet and exercise. It's the same thing, right? And they, yeah, yeah. They beat themselves up because they didn't do the cross training circuit and like, dude, all I wanted you to do was do twenty jumping jacks and then go start your day. <laughs> you know, and that's and look at that as progress, right? Like at least right, you, at right. least you did the jumping jacks. And, you know, yeah, that's awesome stuff, man. I love that. Is that what I think I saw on your Facebook that you were starting the process writing the book? Is this is this going to be the book that we're talking about here?
0: Uh, that may find its way into the book. Um, i've I've written around that for the book. I'm not sure if it's uh, for this book or if it's another book. Yeah, um, uh, but th- th- if it's in this book I'm working on, it may be in truncated form, and maybe if there's another book, maybe I flesh those out a little bit a little yeah. bit more. I'm not hundred percent sure at the
1: moment. That's good. I love it. I love all those things that that's you hit on a lot of great points there. Really good stuff. So what's the dream now, do you think? I mean, if you're looking now and you're looking forward, are you dreaming big now? And what, what are you thinking about?
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, I mentioned starting the year wanting to do more public speaking and uh, live events or in-person workshops and that sort of thing. And I'm still holding out ho- holding out hope that uh, those things will happen eventually, that mm-hmm. the, the world will get back to relative uh, normal. Um, I love teaching people. Yeah. Uh, you know, as I said, I was a music education major to start with, out of a love for teaching as much as it was for music. Uh, and I love the opportunity my my self employment has afforded me to create courses and 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 and, and training and that sort of thing, uh, and to do webinars. I just love that kind of stuff. But I love it even more when I'm able to do it in person and yeah. to to teach people in that environment, whether it's a large. A room as far as, as part of a public talk or it's a, you know, a smaller, um, you know, training kind of a session, that sort of thing. I just love that. And so I just want to find ways to do more of that, uh, doing that, um, full time or doing that, uh, uh, for the majority of my income is, is what I would, what I would love to do, uh, more than anything else. Uh, and again, I hope, uh, we're able to, to see that, uh, come together as far as the, the rest <laughs> of the world's concerned. Um, but beyond that, uh, something on a more of a personal level, um, you know, I, I w- uh, I'm going to buy the RV one day and I'm going to sell the house and, and <laughs> yeah, we're gonna, you know, just <laughs> drive all around the country and I'm going to do these speaking gigs and workshops from wherever I need to go and whatever I need to do. But at the end of the day, I'll get back in my RV and we'll go to the next place and and see the sights, and sit by the lake
1: and do all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I love that i'm trying to convince my wife- i've always wanted to do that you know get the r v and go, and my wife's not too keen on it. I still got some time to to convince her, but I would love to do that too, just kind of drive around and that's a, well, see, my I, wife's not about doing it full time <laughs> yeah it's more of it let's 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 test the
0: waters first let's, yeah, let's yeah. you know take a couple of weeks here or a weekend there and that kind of thing
1: yeah that's exciting what um i've always wanted to ask you people always ask me who has been your favorite guest. And I you know, I always treated that question like, man, it's like asking, who's my favorite kid? And maybe not guest, right. but maybe episode. I mean, is, does one stand out for you?
0: Uh, for sure. Um, Simon Sinek is is a favorite. I know you've mm-hmm. had him on the show a couple of times, um, at least. Um, uh, John Maxwell is a favorite. Alan Alda was Oh, a, yeah, was what a a gr- I forgot about favorite. that one.
1: That was a great, that's, yeah, that was so fun that you did that because it was so unique and different you know what I mean it wasn't Mm -hmm. the standard fare and that was a great job you did by the way on that one that was just a yeah that that, was a a great conversation very
0: very nervous yeah I can imagine (laughs) imagine (laughs) yeah but probably my all-time favorite episode um is episode 66 so I'm going back a ways like the first year and a half of the show or something like that January of 2015 I believe uh Seth Godin uh, oh, wow. That, that would be my absolute uh, favorite. Uh, a book Seth wrote was a book called, uh, he wrote many books, but the one that sort of relit my fire, rekindled my passion for reading, um, which had been all but depleted at the time, was a book called uh, Purple Cow.
1: Oh, yeah. Great uh, A
0: mentor of mine introduced me to that book, and I read that book, and I'm like, if there's more out there like this, let me <laughs> Let me, let me let me look into this. And so that in 2003-ish sort of started me on the journey of becoming, like you, a voracious reader. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now here we are, what, 17 years later, and I'm you know still reading at a pretty rapid pace. And I have Seth in large part to thank for that. So that's one of my favorite episodes because I got to tell him that.
1: Great. That's awesome. I got
0: to share that story with him. And so him being on the show was kind of like, it, I would feel like, I could never hang up the the show hat, if you will, not that I plan on doing it anytime soon, without ever having Seth on the show. Seth just at some point would have to be on this show. It just wouldn't be right. And so that was a real surreal moment or a real sort of kind of this things come full circle. You know, he's a big part of the reason I'm doing this show. And here he is, you know, talking to me for 45 minutes or whatever it was. That's, um, so, so that one was a was a huge, huge favorite.
1: That's great. And Seth is just amazing. He's been one of those gets that I just haven't I've not lured him in. I've had many close calls with him mm. and he's just never committed. And I don't know if you know, I either catch him at the wrong time or if he's just you know, he, he always responds. He says, Ah, thanks, but I'm I'm too busy right now and maybe later and,
0: and, Well if this makes you feel any better, um I got a yes from him the third time I asked. And those asks came over a, a year and a half a period. I have asked him since then, too, and gotten a no. And yeah. I think it was probably timing uh, more than anything else. So, in total, I've gotten uh, uh, three no's and one yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, don't I've, don't sit there and assume that I, I just got a yes. And I, I, no, 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 <laughs> no. I try not. You know,
1: you know how it is. It's like, and I think that's one thing people need to understand too. They, uh, and I'm sure you've probably got this question. It's like, well, how did you get these amazing people on your show? And I'm not being flippant when I say, it. I just asked, <laughs> you know, I didn't, I just asked them in an authentic yeah. way. I didn't, you know, as short as I could, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'd like you to be on the show. And I kept it simple and short. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing is, is I did it persistently And <laughs> because I think that's the part that people don't see is how, Mm. how often you have to ask, right? It gets easier as you, as, yeah. as, as, as I've built up momentum, mm-hmm. it gets a mm-hmm. little easier, but even then there's still this people that I, I got on my bucket list that I still haven't got. And it just takes mm. a lot of persistence and not taking it personal when they say no, that's right. Know, that's the right. Thing, right. Would you agree with that?
0: absolutely everything you said i would agree with 100% I, I sometimes feel silly when people ask that question you know i'm on stage at a conference at a podcast conference I'm like, well how do you how do you do that how do you get this right? And, and the answer is as simple as you just framed
1: it <laughs> it's really no harder than that <laughs> i just asked <laughs> but it was it was a great lesson for me because it the more that i've done that the more that i've seen wow they are no different than than mm-hmm. i you know, that, that i got i said this story many times probably on this, show and i'm maybe even told you so i apologize but that was a big aha moment for me when and it was not on a recording but i was talking with steve forbes and the second time he was on and we were talking about fear and uncertainty and this wasn't recorded and i wish it would have because he's kind of a he's kind of a dry guess i love him he's a big name it's a Mm. good get it's a good way for marketing the show but his book's tends to be around just strictly the economics and the kind of the political and i wanted to get a little deeper and then when we were done recording he got really deep with me (laughs) we were talking about fear and uncertainty and he was like and i said when did it go away for you or something to that effect and he laughed at me and he said (laughs) "He goes, it never goes away he goes i was in the shower this morning you know going over my head about how i mean if they only knew how unprepared i was for my pitch you know they would laugh me out of the Mm -hmm. room and i was like wow so he's no different than me, except for the, <laughs> the only difference is our bank account. The zeros behind you know, at the end of our bank account. But I think that's probably been my biggest lesson from doing this: is is that everybody struggles with the same stuff. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. what, what. What is your takeaway? Do you think if you if you're talking with, three hundred and twenty, ish three hundred thirty episodes that you've got under your belt, what were the kind of surprising takeaways looking back now with kind of wisdom and experience?
0: Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think, um, I think we see a lot of people doing great things. Um, and we see courage and we think that there's no fear there and, and yeah. when, when you, we, we both know that courage is not the absence of fear, right? It's, right. it's taking action in the face of it, uh, right. doing the hard thing anyway. So uh, but I think we, we lose sight of that. We start playing the comparison game um, or we see some success, uh, some successes of the people have. We assume that it was easy or we assume that they have something we don't. Um, and a lot of times it's doing things like you just talked about a moment ago. They've done things we haven't yet done. I remember um, early in my journey and launching my first course, somebody in a mastermind group I was in said, you should reach out to John Lee Dumas about doing a joint venture webinar. And I was like, John's not going to do a joint venture webinar with me. You know, he, he was several uh, months or a year ahead of me in his podcast journey. He was doing really, really well. And sponsors were pouring in and all that sort of thing. And he was launching uh, his own course at that time. Podcasters paradise, just getting off the ground. And somebody in, in that group said to me, Jeff, don't say n- no for him by not asking. Mm. You're saying no for him. Well, that gave me the, the courage to ask. And when I asked, he said yes. <laughs> and so. <laughs> Had I not asked, I never would have, have known that. And so but I think a lot of us to to the point, I think a lot of us um, assume that everybody else has it easier assumes everybody else doesn't concern themselves with or worry about the same things that we do. And that's just not it's just not true.
1: That's a great uh, lesson. We're all the same, like you said. That's a great story. And you're right. And having don't don't let them say don't say no for them. I like that. And it's yeah. so true. Yeah. I think of, if, if you're looking forward now, is there somebody, is there, who's on your bucket list? Who do you still want to get on your show?
0: Mm, 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 mm. Let's see. There's, there's a, uh, I'll tell you a couple of the fastest no's where I ever got that are people that I really would like to have on my show. Um, uh, n- not necessarily as much now as I wanted them then because situations have changed. Uh, but one person I wanted to get on, um, at a particularly strategic time was Megan Kelly.
1: Oh yeah. That would have been a, um, yeah,
0: she, when all the stuff was going had, down. Yeah. She had come out with, um, settle for more, I think was the name mm-hmm. of her book.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Fastest no I've ever gotten <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> for, a, for a podcast. I think it was like 30 minutes. No. And I even had, um, uh, thanks to you, uh, as I recall, even had Dana Perino, in my corner, I think you connected me to uh-huh. Dana, if I'm not mistaken. Yep,
1: she's been a big supporter and, uh, of my show, and she's been, been great. And but... Dana
0: was the one who put me in touch with her. Uh, and I thought, well, I've got Dana in my Mac pocket. This will be a cinch. No. Wow. Another one was uh, Chip Gaines. Chip Gaines. Uh, How do I Chip know and that J- name? Joanna Gaines. Um, yeah, they do the. Um, oh, what's that? That uh, show, Fixer Upper show. Oh
1: yes. That would be a great get.
0: Yeah. He wrote a book called uh, Capital Gains, I think was the name of the book.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, it's about their business and their life. And I just, you know, uh, he's a guy who I have a lot of respect for. I think he's hilarious. Yeah, he's a great show. Someone I really wanted to talk to. Yeah, another another really quick uh, no. (laughs) You know, (laughs) folks, uh, the the kind of folks who have huge platforms already, like Megan was still at Fox at the time. And, uh, you know, Chips uh, and Joanna, they've got their thing. And they don't need my podcast. No, to get the word that, out about, that's, their, about their thing.
1: But you know, to your point though, I, sometimes I'll 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 talk myself out of even now of asking <laughs> because of what you just said. But yeah. sometimes I've been surprised when I I went ahead and I said, you know what, I'm going to send it anyway. Um, hmm. But it, I don't know, it's fun. I I, lo- I love. I love it when you get someone that you just never thought you would get. But also, too, I like it when, for me, some of my my most memorable episodes are ones where people you never even heard of. You know what I mean? Sometimes Mm – and mm -hmm. there's been a couple times when I'll be like rushing to – you know, my schedule was kind of tight and I was rushing to get in. I was like, oh, I got to get in here. And I was like, I really wasn't looking forward to the conversation. And they turned out to be some of the most magical,
0: deep You know, Molly was like that, honestly, for me. I wasn't all that uh, like – enthralled with the idea behind molly's book molly fletcher mm-hmm. the sports agent i talked about earlier and i looked at the book and i thought uh, on the surface it looked like a cute little book yeah, quote right. you know i'll oh, look at this little hour-long read this is neat uh it it's probably my second favorite book of the year so that's far. that's awesome man uh, behind only maybe bj fogg's uh tiny habits
1: i love it when you find a, a gem like that i love it i love it when you Stick with it and, and something. your book by its cover. I know, right? <laughs> you know, my biggest regret—I don't think I've ever said this on the podcast—the one that I just—it still pains me to this day. It's even embarrassing to tell this one, but I had yeah. asked Maya Angelou to come on my show, mm. and I got an email from her agent or her assistant that said, "Hey, she's she she can give you 15 minutes." And I remember thinking, fifteen minutes. Ugh. Mm. And I mulled on it. I didn't reply back. Seven days later, she died. Oh wow! And because of my wow. arrogance or pride or fifty or you know what I mean, just kind of dismissing the fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wh- what a waste for me, right? Yeah. And mm. that was very disappointing. Disappointing because I missed out an opportunity, but disappointing that I was I. Hate kind of had that gross response to 15 minutes. You know what I mean? I should have taken it. <laughs> well, yeah, it, you know?
0: I, I see where you're coming from though. I, you, you, the thinking is, and I probably would have felt the same way, it's like, what what, what can I do in 15 minutes? And we accomplish in 15 minutes, yeah. Um, with some people, a lot. Uh, maybe with some, not so much, but uh, you know, I think back to um, uh, my interview with, with Gary Vaynerchuk, who I, I was a little bit more enamored with at the time than I am now, but um, that was one of those where I prepared you know, the same amount of questions I always prepare. But about 20 minutes in, Gary was done answering all my questions. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> his answers are short, brief, to the point. I'm like, oh, what do I do now? This is just 20 minutes. But, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, you know, a 20-minute uh, conversation for some people who, who heard that was just as valuable as maybe my 45-minute one was with somebody else. So.
1: That happened to me with Jocko Willink. I tried so long to get him on. And then they finally reached out to me and said they wanted to come on. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is so great. This just happened this year, earlier this year. Mm. And I've been trying to get him on for a long time. And he finally came on, and we just were not clicking. It was just one of those where he was was just giving me short answers. He wasn't going deep. He wasn't getting authentic and vulnerable, you know what I mean? He was just kind of – and there were weird, awkward pauses. (laughs) And I was so let down because (laughs) I think psychologically I was like, oh, great, now – Jocko Willing's going to be my friend. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> and then we have this really kind of crappy conversation. And uh, yeah. I edit, I, pl- I, I, I shouldn't have, I, I apologized even before in the intro and I shouldn't have done that, but I edited it together and it sounds decent and I beat myself up, but I took, cause I took out all the weird pauses and stuff. And mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. And maybe Jocko was just having a bad day and you know, he's like, Oh God, he's on a press junket. You know what I mean? And, and who knows, but
0: yeah, going through the interviews will rapid fire or yeah, something. Yeah. But it just yeah.
1: felt disappointing to me. It's like, but it was the same thing. It's like, uh, and they just give you these one word answers sometimes. And I'm like, uh, elaborate, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that. And one time, another guy said, I used to ask the question, I think it was an Oprah thing. And like, I'd spring it on them. You know, if you could have dinner, an amazing dinner, you can invite seven, eight people live or dead. Who are those seven people and it was just fun to watch what people would say mm. and this one guy i didn't play this he was a really bad interview but he he he, with, he didn't even hesitate he said adolf hitler that was his first guest adolf hitler mm. and i thought okay elaborate and i thought he might say you know ask him the questions well why why did we why would you do the crazy things you did and no he would he wanted to dive into his brilliant mastermind strategic i'm like this guy's just digging a hole and i'm like what are you doing dude anyway wow that was that was was a memorable moment for me (laughs) well how can people get in touch with you jeff i mean obviously if you I, i i imagine a lot of people listen to both of our shows but if you haven't checked out jeff's read lead podcast you need to it needs to be in your in your arsenal, in your your leadership quiver, it needs to be one of those arrows because I think you're doing great work, Jeff. I really do. I think you're one of the best interviewers out there. I love the format where you you know, you know read the, the person's book. A lot of people out there, and you probably get this too, is I, I know you do the work on it, right? You don't bring anybody on there and you haven't dove into their work and, and that shows. And uh, mm. and so you're one of the few podcasts I listen to. It's really amazing. I'm, I love podcasting. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to yours uh, on occasion and uh quite frequently and then joe rogan so you're up there with rogan in my mm-hmm. book so,
0: so. <laughs> wow well i wonder if i'll get a hundred million dollar deal like he yeah you <laughs> <laughs> if you had anything to do with that then let me know and you can <laughs> Will do. introduce me to the right person yeah
1: <laughs> yeah we can only hope right that we can all reach to right. success but but how can people reach out to you and learn more about you
0: Uh, easiest way. And thank you for those kind words. I appreciate it. Uh, is uh read to lead podcast.com. Um, you can pretty much find, uh, how to get in touch with me and all the past episodes and everything you might want to know about me there.
1: Well, I'll have links to all this. And again, I consider you uh, a friend, Jeff, and uh, I know we've never, physically met in person i look forward to the day that i'm in nashville and i'm I'm sitting down and i get to meet uh, your dachshunds and (laughs) i would love it and have a cold one out on your deck and uh, i feel like (laughs) i know you really well uh, just from your podcast and being connected with you on facebook and everything else but this has been a real treat for me to to finally dive in and have a real conversation with you thanks for coming on
0: thanks for having me richard i appreciate what you do very
1: much thanks Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the show. I hope you got some value out of this episode. If you did, please do me a huge favor. Tell somebody about this show. Tell your spouse, tell your kids, tell your coworkers. Let them know about the value that Dose Leadership brings to your world. Go to dosaleadership.com. You can learn more about my services. If you're looking for somebody to speak, teach, or coach about leadership, I'm your guy. I'm known for my ability to transform individuals and organizations, teaching them the concept of creating a culture of decentralized leadership. I do think that is the secret sauce to facing all the challenges that we face today. Thanks so much for tuning in the show. I look forward to the next time we're together. And until the meantime, make it a great one.